Welcome to episode 140 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about February 2021. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as Clarence Thomas, Rush Limbaugh, politically induced mental illness, totalitarianism, or the Paris Climate Accord comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, ThinkSpot, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you are listening to this on, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Wow, those are eight words that I never would have expected to come out of my mouth. Tom Brady is clearly the greatest of all time. I think that makes seven Super Bowls for him. It's crazy, but what makes it even crazier is how the totalitarians treated him. They freaked out because he didn't wear a mask as he entered the stadium on game day. They freaked out when he didn't wear a mask during the celebration of the victory. They freaked out when he tossed the Super Bowl trophy from his boat to Rob Gronkowski's boat. They hate him because he's white, successful, and he doesn't suck up to the bullshit woke culture. I think I may finally be a Brady fan. Big Tech censorship continued. Think about the recent history of Big Tech and or corporate press censorship. Back in the Obama days, we had Benghazi, the IRS Tea Party scandal. We had Fast and Furious, Obamacare. All those things the corporate press just brushed by and ignored. Then, fast forward more recently, we have Spygate, the Russia collusion hoax, Jeffrey Epstein's friends, they blocked and censored any information that pointed the blame for the pandemic at China. Then they blocked and censored information that questioned the World Health Organization. They blocked the documentary Plandemic. Then they blocked and censored any information counter to that of the great and all-powerful Fauci. His flip-flopping mask mandates, the lockdowns, the real death toll, and the reopening of schools. Then they blocked and censored any information about hydrochloroquine. Then they blocked and censored the Hunter and Daddy Biden decades-long influence peddling operation. They didn't cover Tara Reid. They block and censor people who say there are only two genders. They ignored New York Governor Cuomo's third-degree manslaughter of nursing home residents until recently. Then they shifted their attention to blocking and censoring anyone who questioned the election results, despite overwhelming evidence of improprieties, illegalities, and irregularities. Then they blocked Trump. Completely. More on that in a second. Then they blocked any posts questioning the COVID vaccines. And you know what's next? You know it. Anti-vaxxers. They will be deplatformed because they want to kill the rest of us. Speaking of blocking and censoring anything related to the election, Time Magazine published an article during the month outlining the conspiracy to unseat Trump. But I thought we weren't supposed to talk about that stuff. Back to big tech censorship. So during the month, YouTube banned LifeSite News. 
because, you know, YouTube cannot possibly tolerate a pro-life channel to exist on their platform. It's much more important to extol the virtues of choice and health while ignoring what the real choice is and whose health is deemed irrelevant. The choice being choosing to kill your own baby. The health being a dead baby. YouTube is evil, pure and simple. I have followed LifeSite News for years. They simply want to save the lives of innocent babies, but YouTube bans them. That makes YouTube pro-murder of innocent babies, period. End of story. YouTube also permanently suspended Trump's account during the month. Here's the tweet by the company about the suspension. After close review of recent tweets from the at real Donald Trump account and the context around them, specifically how they are being received and interpreted on and off Twitter, we have permanently suspended the account due to the risk of further incitement of violence. Then a few weeks later, Twitter issued the following statement after the Indian government ordered them to remove government opposition accounts from the platform. Quote, this is Twitter again. Quote, we strongly believe that the open and free exchange of information has a positive global impact and that the tweets must continue to flow. End quote. You can't make this shit up. Then we saw Facebook go to war against the country of Australia, where a law was proposed to make tech giants pay for the news articles shared on their networks. Facebook reacted by restricting all news links and all posts from news outlets in Australia. The company also prevented the sharing of news links from Australian publications by anyone anywhere. Mike Davis, the founder of Internet Accountability Project, said Facebook's actions in Australia show why U.S. lawmakers should strip big tech's legal liability protections. Quote, in an outrageous mob-like response, Facebook is extorting Australia to change its laws by canceling its news. This is yet another egregious example of big tech monopolists like Facebook abusing their massive power and further demonstrates why governments around the world must enforce their antitrust laws and end government coddling like Section 230 immunity, end quote. Facebook finally backed down, but the issue of paying for articles shared on their platform is still up in the air. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis went to war with big tech. His proposal suggests fines of $100,000 per day for deplatforming political candidates, as well as daily fines for any company, quote, that uses their content and user-related logarithms to suppress or prioritize the access of any content related to a political candidate or cause on the ballot, end quote. The governor also called for allowing people to opt out of content and logarithms, requiring notification about changes in terms of service, and providing the right of citizens to take legal action if these conditions are violated. DeSantis announced that under his policy, the Florida Attorney General would be empowered to bring cases against tech companies under the Unfair and Deceptive Practices Act. Pretty cool stuff. The Polish government is passing new legislation that strips big tech companies from the power to ban users or remove content from social media at their whim. Deputy Polish Justice Minister Sebastian Kalieta says it sets a dangerous precedent. Quote, It's very disturbing because if big tech sees themselves as an organization empowered enough to ban a sitting president of the United States, it sends a message to the world that we can ban anyone whenever we want. End quote. The new legislation in Poland dictates that if any platform bans a user or removes posts for ideological reasons, hefty fines of up to $13.5 million would be imposed.
Wow, nicely played, Poland. The second impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump, a private citizen, ended with an acquittal proving for the 50,000th time that the National Democrats don't give a shit about the Constitution, which dictates that a guilty verdict in the Senate requires removal from office, which is obviously impossible given that Trump now resides in Florida, not at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It also dictates that the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court reside over the trial. Justice Roberts, in what can only be explained as the only ballsy thing the guy has done while sitting on the bench, declined to preside over the kangaroo court. The funniest part of the entire trial was the Democrats' last-ditch effort of floating the idea that they would like to call witnesses. Trump's attorneys readily agreed. They told the Senate that they had a list of about 100 witnesses to call, the very first one being Nancy Pelosi, to ask her when she received intel that there was going to be some trespassing going on at the Capitol on January 6th. See, the dirty little secret is, she knew days ahead of time, which vindicates Trump from inciting a riot, the whole reason for the impeachment. You should have seen Pelosi after the acquittal vote. She was livid. It was glorious. Bruce Springsteen appeared in a Super Bowl ad for Jeep called Reunited States of America. He preached to the audience about political unity and reconciliation. This coming from a guy who is a Biden supporter who has nothing but disdain for Trump and his voters. He said he would leave the country if Trump was re-elected, and he participated in a viral video using the suckers and losers lie to smear Trump. Then when Jeep found out that the dude was busted for a DUI and reckless driving back in November, they pulled the ad from the internet. Then Springsteen's charges were dropped, and he paid a $500 fine because he has liberal privilege, of course. The CDC published a study suggesting that we now double mask. Dr. Fauci, of course, agreed. It's weird because at one time, both the CDC and Fauci were on record saying masks don't work. Now we're told to wear two. Why? So it can be doubly ineffective? File this under, who knew being anti-Trump could be so profitable? The Never Trumper fundraising organization, the Lincoln Project, died a quick death last month, when it was revealed that one of its co-founders likes the company of young men. Couldn't happen to a nicer group of douchebags like that fat slob George Conway, Kelly Conway's dirtbag husband. Remember, Kellyanne was Trump's spokeswoman for most of his term. Meanwhile, her scumbag husband would go on CNN or MSNBC and trash the president, and essentially his wife. These guys were a bunch of crooks anyways. The AP reports that the project was able to raise over $90 million, but only spent a third of that, about $27 million, on advertising during the 2020 campaign. The report noted, quote, that leaves tens of millions of dollars that went towards expenses like production costs, overhead, and exorbitant consulting fees collected by members of the group. It continues, the vast majority of the cash was split among consulting firms controlled by its founders, including about $27 million paid to a small firm controlled by Galen, who I guess is one of the guys, and another $21 million paid to a boutique firm run by former Lincoln Project member Ron Stetzlow. End quote. The New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, found out what happens to someone when they are no longer useful to the National Democrats and leftists. He was very useful during his daily press conferences during the COVID crisis, yelling at Trump, blaming him for every COVID death, and demanding more support from the federal government. 
Meanwhile, almost 10,000 New York senior citizens died in COVID-infested nursing homes because of Cuomo's policy of forcing the homes to take back from hospitals COVID-positive patients. He got an Emmy for his production of the news conferences. He published a book about leadership during a crisis. He was fawned over until, until he was deemed worthless to the cause. He has been cast aside just like former comedian and senator Al Franken. A Cuomo aide admitted to covering up the nursing home deaths to avoid scrutiny. This guy should be prosecuted on 10,000 counts of third or fourth degree manslaughter. What an arrogant asshole. The corporate press ignored the deaths of New Yorkers' parents and grandparents, but now, now that there are multiple sexual harassment charges against Cuomo, he must go. Because all women must be believed. We've had Press Secretary Jen Psaki, Nancy Pelosi, and Hillary Clinton all come out in support of the women accusers, conveniently ignoring Biden's accuser, Tara Reid. Or Clinton's accusers, Paula Jones, Juanita Broadwick, Kathleen Willey, Jennifer Flowers. Oh, and conveniently ignoring Clinton's favorite place on earth, Jeffrey Epstein's island and private jets. Apparently, liberal privilege does not come with a lifetime membership. During the month, I periodically started posting on Facebook with this headline, If the Trump-era editorial standards still applied, we might see a story like this. Below are a few of my posts, which play nicely into the theme of this episode to recap the news of February 2021. Here's the first one. Biden takes a three-day weekend at Camp David playing video games with his granddaughter. Meanwhile, thousands suffer and die in a global pandemic. Vaccine shortages plague the country. Millions without power suffer through the worst winter storm in a decade, and hundreds of school-aged children commit suicide due to school shutdowns. Here's another. Biden tells CNN there was no vaccine when he took office, despite receiving his first shot on national television in December before his inauguration. And this guy has his finger on the button? Here's another. After four years of peace and the former president nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize three times, President Biden orders bombing in Syria only 34 days into his presidency. Here's another. President Biden commits human rights abuses at the border against children. The Biden administration reopened a gated migrant facility for illegal immigrant children this past weekend. This is the same facility that, as vice president, Biden said, quote, It is cruel and abhorrent to strip migrant children of the few protections they have. It's not enough this administration, that is the Trump administration, puts children in cages without soap and beds. Now it wants to keep them there indefinitely. This isn't who we are, end quote. Check out episode 51, The Truth About Immigrant Children in Cages at the Border, if you're interested more in that. And finally, here's the last one. The president takes another three-day weekend. Meanwhile, thanks to his deportation moratorium, criminals roam the streets of America. Speaking of Biden's deportation moratorium, Stephen Miller, Trump's immigration advisor, had this to say about Biden's immigration policies. Quote, what we're seeing here is the cruelty and inhumanity of Joe Biden's immigration policies. He came into office and announced that there's an open door and that young people who come into the country illegally are going to be resettled instead of returned. He's forcing thousands of young children into the arms of smugglers, into the arms of traffickers, into the arms of coyotes, which refers to a nickname of border smugglers. He continues, quote, Children are being taken away from their families in the Northern Triangle, in El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. Those countries are being deprived of their future. 
These illegal immigrants are being put in harm's way, all because of a policy choice by Joe Biden made to restore catch and release. That is cruel. That is inhumane. And we are seeing the results of that right now. He took a secure border, a humane border, a safe border, and turned it into this, end quote. Meanwhile, Biden's moratorium is killing interior enforcement as well. Even known criminals are allowed to walk free. ICE is required to get authorization from D.C. in order to act. These criminals are being released into the communities because ICE is not allowed to apprehend and deport them. It's even worse. Biden proposes allowing previously deported individuals to petition to come back. Anyone under 18 is being accepted into the country, no questions asked. Can anyone say what's going to happen to our schools or our hospitals or what about welfare paid to the illegals? I mean, this is the epitome of politically induced mental illness, which was the topic of episode 136. After being offline for a little over a month, Parler, the Twitter competitor that was unceremoniously kicked off of Amazon's AWS cloud service, was back online. Great news. COVID cured the flu. From October 1st to February 6th, there was a total of 165 flu-related hospitalizations in the United States. Yes, I said 165. Last year, over that same period, there were over 400,000. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the dictates from the CDC on coding virtually every illness as COVID. In a global cooling, global warming, climate change, extreme weather update, climate envoy John F. Kerry, who served in Vietnam, told the world that we only have nine years left. And he explained that just because climate appears to be getting colder, it's still due to global warming. You gotta listen to episode 136 for an explanation of why Kerry seems so mentally unhinged. File this under what voter fraud? The Michigan Secretary of State removed 177,000 inactive voters from the state's voter rolls. The current resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue won Michigan by 154,000 votes. You do not have to be a data analyst to ask a few questions. Questions that are, of course, not allowed to be voiced on social media, as we already discussed. During the February staged CNN town hall, President Joe, you ain't black, Biden, made overt racist comments about minorities' inability to, quote, get online to register for a vaccine, specifically calling out the Hispanic and the African-American community. No one in the media thought twice about it. During that same staged CNN town hall, Biden, a self-proclaimed Catholic, failed to denounce the forced detention of over a million Uyghurs and other minority groups by the Chinese government, claiming, quote, culturally there are different norms that each country and their leaders are expected to follow, end quote. Just to drive home the Catholic part of that, Biden also endorses the killing of innocent babies in the womb. So for a guy who proclaims to be a Christian, he endorses murder and turns a blind eye to forced incarceration of a group of people due to their faith. And to steal a quote from Hillary Clinton, who, as Secretary of State, responded in congressional testimony about the Benghazi debacle, what difference at this point does it make? Exactly. The people at the consulate in Benghazi are already dead. The Uyghurs are already incarcerated. Evil is as evil does. A historic winter storm and cold blast caused chaos in Texas during the month. Millions went without power for several days because, turns out, wind turbines can freeze. See, Texas gets a significant amount of electricity from wind turbines, upwards of 40%. 
they don't work too good when the wind ain't blowing or when they freeze. To further demonstrate the lunacy of relying heavily on renewable forms of energy, at one point, helicopters run on fossil fuel, spray a chemical made from fossil fuels onto the wind turbines made with fossil fuels during the ice storm that froze the renewable energy tool. Rush Limbaugh died from complications due to lung cancer in February. He was one of my heroes, and for any of you who at this moment are having bad thoughts about the man, I would ask you the same question I asked my father and late father-in-law many years ago when they scoffed at the mention of Rush's name at the Thanksgiving dinner table. How many hours in your entire life did you listen to Rush? My guess is your answer is the same as theirs, zero. So I ask you, what does that say about you? That you would walk around harboring mean thoughts and feelings about someone who had such a profound impact on so many. Anyway, if you're interested in the truth about Rush Limbaugh, check out episode 138 and stop making ill-informed judgments on people. Echelon Insights polled 1,000 registered voters between February 12th and February 18th and asked which issues they are most concerned with. Republicans' number one issue was illegal immigration, 81%. That was followed by lack of support for police, high taxes, left-wing media bias, the moral decline of the country, socialism, Antifa, late-term abortion, election fraud, tech censorship, and discrimination against Christians. The Democrats' number one concern was Trump supporters, followed by white nationalism, systemic racism, gun violence, healthcare coverage, domestic terror, police brutality, discrimination, sexism, voter suppression, and student debt. Notice the Republicans' concerns are real things, but the Dems, they are concerned with you and me. Why are they such busybodies? Eight of the next ten concerns aren't even real things that anything can be done about. I mean, seriously, white nationalism is your second concern? There isn't a single person out there who can name a single white nationalist group of which to be concerned with. I mean, the KKK has like a thousand total members. Systemic racism? What is their evidence? Same thing with gun violence. The only serious repeatable gun violence that I can think of is in Democrat-run Chicago, which has some of the strictest gun control measures in the country. Yet every weekend we see 10 to 12 people shot and many of them killed in the Windy City. Sexism? Police brutality? Discrimination? Again, why are they concerned with these things? Voter suppression. Voter suppression. You have to be mentally challenged to list voter suppression as a concern when your party literally generated millions of illegal ballots in the last election. Voter suppression should be on the Republicans' list since legal voters' votes were suppressed by all the illegal ones the Democrats manufactured. Merrick Garland, who you may remember was Obama's nominee to the Supreme Court that the Republican-controlled Senate refused to advise and consent on, now he has been nominated to run the Justice Department as Attorney General. This guy is a doofus. He stutters through his responses more than a shy high school kid giving his first speech in front of a class. What could we glean from his testimony? Well, number one, he will refuse to enforce immigration laws. And number two, get this, domestic terrorism only occurs during normal business hours. He explained that as he tried to sell the idea to the Judiciary Committee that the January 6th trespassing and vandalism at the Capitol is classified as domestic terrorism because it occurred during the day. But Antifa and BLM violence is not because they riot at night. 
This is the very definition of politically induced mental illness. I know I say this all the time, but you just can't make this shit up. Again, you gotta listen to episode 136. Speaking of domestic terrorism and the trespassing and vandalism episode at the Capitol in January, it turns out the Capitol Hill police officer, Brian Sicknick, was not killed by the evil Trump-supporting insurrectionists like the media and the establishment has told us. Nope. Just another in a long list of lies told to the American people by the Uniparty. Remember everyone involved in this farce, from Mitch McConnell to Chuck Schumer to Mitt Romney to Nancy Pelosi and everyone in between. They all celebrated the death of Officer Brian Sicknick because of the opportunity it presented. They rushed to endorse their narrative that he was murdered by crazed Trump supporters on the day that will live in infamy, January 6th, when he was bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. They rushed to have his body cremated. They rushed to make sure he was laid in honor at the Capitol. They rushed to bury him at Arlington National Cemetery because, you know, he's the equivalent of a war hero fighting off the bloodthirsty, Trump-loving domestic terrorists. Then his mother comes out and said it was all a lie. All in order to bash Trump, his supporters, and have a reason to push for domestic terrorism legislation that will make the purge of conservatives on social media look like a walk in the park. File this under further evidence that we are run by a uniparty and live in a post-constitutional America. Those brave Republicans countered the Democrats' $15 an hour minimum wage with a $10 minimum wage. Ooh. Problem. The Constitution does not grant the federal government the power to regulate labor laws or wages. Check out episode 137, The Truth About Post-Constitutional America, if you're interested in that topic. May I state the obvious? The National Democrats are sick and evil. Case in point. The First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Keep that in mind, as a couple Democratic congressmen pointedly asked TV carriers if they were planning on carrying conservative networks like Fox News, Newsmax, and AON, quote, both now and beyond any contract renewal date, end quote. Alan Dershowitz had this to say, quote, that's not a question. That's a threat. And that comes within the First Amendment. And I think there is room for a potential lawsuit for declaratory judgment, at least, saying that Congress has no authority to tell or suggest or imply to cable operators that they should take people off of the air as a result of content. That would violate the First Amendment. To all of you who support Biden and the National Democrats, don't worry because the Constitution has proven to be an ineffective tool to rein in your team's totalitarian tendencies. They will remain undeterred, I can assure you. The message has been delivered to the cable outlets, just like it was delivered to Zuckerberg and Dorsey when they were hauled up before Congress last year. And look at the purge on social media after those congressional tongue lashings. Case number two that the National Democrats are sick and evil. The House passed the Equality Act. The Wikipedia explanation of it is, The Equality Act is a bill in the United States Congress that, if passed, would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and sexual identity in employment, housing, public accommodations, public education, federal funding, credit, and jury system. The truth about the act is, it would further inequality by penalizing everyday Americans for their beliefs about marriage and biological sex. 
See, they can't let us think for ourselves, right? The act would force employers and workers to conform to new sexual norms, of course, established by these lunatics in Washington. It would force hospitals and insurers to provide and pay for therapies that may go against their moral or medical objections. It would politicize medicine by forcing professionals to act against their best medical judgment and provide transition-affirming therapies. It would harm families by normalizing hormonal and surgical interventions for gender dysphoric children, as well as an ideological education in schools and other public venues. It would put parental rights to make decisions about their children's medical treatment and education at risk. It would ultimately lead to the erasure of women by dismantling sex-specific facilities, sports, and other female-only spaces. Because, you know, the mentally ill House Democrats think it's okay for biological men to compete with girls in sports and go into their locker rooms and bathrooms. Sounds great, doesn't it? Two quick woke capitalism stories for the month. Coke almost went woke. With proposed corporate training that was subsequently pulled down due to overwhelming public outcries, the training would encourage its employees to be less white. They explained it this way. To be less white is to be less oppressive, to be less arrogant, to be less certain, to be less defensive, to be less ignorant, to be more humble. Listen, believe, break with apathy, break with white solidarity. Very classy. Then we had Hasbro announce that they will be making Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head gender neutral. You know, to avoid offending anyone. Well, I have news for you, Hasbro. I'm offended by your company's name. It's way too masculine, bro. Has sounds fine, don't you think? Hasbro is just too offensive. Clearly, the most huge story of the month was the return of Donald Trump at CPAC. It was vintage Trump. Here are some highlights. Quote, Joe Biden has had the most disastrous first month of any president in modern history. In just one short month, we have gone from America first to America last. He explained that he was not creating a new political party. He said that was fake news. We have the Republican Party. When talking about another run at the White House, he joked that he may just decide to beat them for a third time. He said, quote, this election was rigged and the Supreme Court and other courts did not want to do anything about it. Then he called the Supreme Court cowards. And actually, I think Justice Clarence Thomas would agree with Trump on that point, as he indicated in his dissent of the courts refusing to hear a Pennsylvania election lawsuit. Check out the previous episode, episode 139, The Truth About Clarence Thomas, where I talk a little bit about that. Trump then ripped into the never-Trumpers by name. Warmonger Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, Little Ben Sass, Kissinger, Gonzalez, Murkowski, Cassidy, Collins, Toomey. He laid out a plan to ensure election integrity, including voter ID. He called on states to punish tech companies with sanctions if they censor. He said, quote, there's no reason whatsoever why the vast majority of young Americans should not be back in school immediately. The only reason that most parents do not have that choice is because Joe Biden sold out America's children to the teachers unions. On behalf of moms, dads, and children of America, I call on Joe Biden to get the schools opened, get them open now. And finally, he said, quote, with your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate, and then a Republican president will make a triumphant return to the White House. And I wonder who that'll be. And that's the truth about February 2021. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.